I'm so excited you're all here today. Uh, Jesus is risen. What a day to celebrate. Um, I wore my Easter jeans today so that I could do that the very best I possibly could. Uh, I noticed some of you walking in looking mighty sharp. I mean, if I reached out and touched you, I would get cut because that's how sharp you look, and I'm so glad you're here. Um, some of you wore a tie, and I love it. Um, sometimes I wish I could get away with that, but I just, I just can't do the, the whole collar thing. In fact, when I do wear ties, I unbutton it. Um, some of you kind of dress a little more casually, but still kind of dressed up awesome. Jesus is very happy with you today. And some of you kind of did like me, and you wore your best jeans that you had, the ones that don't have the holes in the backs of them, so when you turn around, people don't see anything. <laughs> Jesus is happy about that, too. Um, some people get really bent out of shape about what you wear to church, uh, and I, I like to go back to the scriptures on, on situations like that, and, and you know, I, I go like, what did Jesus wear to Easter? Well, if Mel Gibson got it right, he came out of the tomb in his birthday suit. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, of course, I'm joking. So if you're wearing clothes today, you're doing good. Um, we'll just start with that. I'm happy you're here. I, I want to start out by playing a game. All in favor, raise your hand. Some of you don't know what I'm going to do, so you're a little bit hesitant, but it's okay. It's going to be good. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start out with the first part of a phrase, a popular phrase that you've probably heard before at some time in your life, and your job is for memory to kind of finish the phrase, okay? You ready? First one I'll make real easy. Here we go. No pain. Man, see, perfect. We're already there. We broke the ice, okay? It's real simple. Uh, next one, maybe, maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Oh, but if I just said there's no such thing as a free, <laughs> who said pass? No such thing as a free pass. No such thing as a free car. No such thing as a free lunch. About half of you got that right. Good. All right. Here's, here's one you probably know. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. There you go. Here's one that may be true, maybe not. I don't know, but you probably heard it. Uh, God helps those who, yeah, you guys have been trained well. Uh, we all understand, obviously, the importance of hard work and payoff, which is all, all those phrases have to do with that. Um, you've all been trained well. I remember as a young teenager, um, I worked hard all through the summers. Anybody have to work hard as a teenager to earn money? Your parents just didn't kind of give it to you. You, all, you had to work hard. Uh, that, that was me, man. I was in a warehouse during the summers, like 113 degrees, pushing around filing cabinets and wiping off tables. I mean, I was doing everything I could, helping my uncle build barns for customers and fix barns. Uh, I fed his chickens every day. I mowed grass. I washed cars, whatever I could. The reason is because I wanted a car, and my dad was not going to pay for me to have a car. He said, I'll pay for half of it if your grades are good. I was like, all right. So I had to earn this money, and I'll never forget uh, when I finally was able to earn enough money through all the blood, sweat, and tears to pay for half my car. And it was like, it wasn't the best car in the world, but it was mine, right? And we were all together with my buddies in the house, and we were getting ready to do our debut outing in the 88 Nova. <laughs> it's not the Nova you're thinking of. <laughs> this is more like a Toyota Corolla. Uh, it made like 18 noises in three gears, you know what I mean? Um, the, the, you had to do this to roll the window down, you know what I'm talking about? Except for it didn't stay on because it broke off, so I had to pick it up out of the door pocket and pop it in and then do that and then put it back in. That was my car. I was so happy with that thing. From, from bumper to bumper, it was all mine. And we were getting ready to go out and go bowling because that's what you do in Goldsboro because there's literally nothing else to do. Uh, and so we're sitting there, we're pumped, and I, I'm getting ready to go bowling with my buddies. And my brother, my little brother, he's behind me, and he's kind of got this complainy voice 
and behind me, and he's like, I want to go bowling. And before I could say no, my uncle was right because I was getting ready to say no. My uncle said, well, when you get your car and when you get your license, you can go bowling too. I was like, I have never been more proud of chickens and grass <laughs> in my entire life than I am, than I am right now. Uh, I was so happy. All of us in here know the value of hard work and payoff, good old-fashioned elbow grease, right? We all know that it's, that it's a good thing. The problem is, is when we uh, have that kind of thinking, it makes it awfully hard to relate to God because God does not operate in payoff and reward and effort that we have to do in order to get it. He doesn't operate like that. God operates in something called grace, grace. And grace is defined like this. It's unmerited favor, meaning you can't do anything to earn it. You can't, you can't work hard enough. God gives it to you completely aside from what you do. He just, he longs to pour out grace in our lives. And he operates like that. Do you know how good it felt to leave my little brother at home that night to go bowling? <laughs> I mean, I, I earned that. He didn't earn it. Uh, I earned it. And uh, I love him. I was kind of a jerk back then, so don't judge me right now. Uh, but I, it felt great because I did all the work. He didn't do any of the work. I did. I earned that. And we can easily approach God the same way. Would you agree? We can say, God, what can I do to earn it? And, and we kind of live like that. But uh, when was the last time that you, you felt really good about something that you did for somebody else? Maybe you helped somebody or you gave somebody some money or something, and you just kind of felt, you know, I really deserve God's favor right now. I just, I just know he's looking at me, and he's just like, I'm worthy of him. And then we do something bad, and we're like, I'm not worthy of him. I'm <laughs> not worthy of him today. And then we kind of come to church a few times, right? Does anybody know what I'm saying? We all do it. And we're like, I feel worthy of God right now. The, the result is when you think that way, you never really learn to enjoy the Christian life because we don't know what the Christian life is really about. It's about grace, not trying to earn it. It's simply about grace. Grace is at the heart of a relationship with God. In fact, grace is who God is. There's a Bible verse in Psalms chapter 145. It says this. It says, the Lord is gracious. It's who he is. He's gracious and he's compassionate and he's slow to anger and rich in love. But it's easy to walk around and not live like that's who he is. <laughs> that's one thing I've learned. And so we spend our lives, if we're not careful, uh, trying to please God in such a way to earn grace. And we have this thinking and we're like, you know, if, if I do enough good things, then God will look at me and say, boy." Or, or at a girl, hey, you, you did good today. And if I do enough bad things, um, then God will look at me and say, you're worthless. You're not worthy of me. Uh, maybe he's trying to punish me somehow. Am I the only one? And, and we, we, we can think that way. And so we end up in one of two kinds of thinking. We either try to live by works, try to earn and work really hard to do all these things so that we can stand worthy before God, or we hold God at arm's length and we stay as far away from him as we possibly can. And I just got to be honest with you, just like from my heart to yours, sincerely, if I felt like I had to earn God by things that I did, I would stay as far away from him as humanly possible. <laughs> because I know my sin. I know that I'm not perfect. And I'd be willing to bet that you would say you're not perfect either. And we're talking about a perfect, holy God. The fact is, is that God doesn't give approval based on our performance. Because of Jesus, because he rose from the grave, because he was perfect for us, he gives approval based on his performance. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But in a word, it's called grace. And over the next five weeks, we're in a series called Amazing Grace, 
We're going to be talking about the different facets of God's grace, figuring it out. What does the Bible say about grace? What does it really say about grace? Not someone's opinion. What does the Bible say about it? How does it work? What does it mean to be restored by grace and live in grace and to grow in grace in our everyday lives? Today, say today. Today, the goal is simply this. I want to show you why we need grace. And I'm going to do that in five simple truths. And we're just going to use a a little acrostic, G-R-A-C-E, just to kind of make it simple to to follow. Um, So here's G. Number one, grace is God's gift to me. That's truth number one. It's God's gift to me. In fact, Romans, book in the Bible, verse says this in in chapter 3. It says, all, that's everybody, all need to be made right with God by His grace, which is a free gift. Say free gift. Say it again. Free gift. We need to say it like eight more times probably. It's a free gift through Jesus Christ. That's the very first thing you need to know is that God's grace is a gift from him, and it's free. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever given somebody a bill for the Christmas gifts that you gave them? You ever want to give somebody a bill for the Christmas gifts that you gave them? You just want to like show up one morning with your kids, be like, yeah, I know yesterday was great. <laughs> here's, here's the bill for it. No, it doesn't work. I tried it last year. They did not want to pay, and they didn't. Guys, last time I checked, gifts were free. And when God says, I give you grace as a free gift, he actually means that. We don't have to earn it, but boy, do we try. We live our lives this way. There was a survey taken uh, a while back, and 98% of people that took this survey said that there is a heaven. They, be- they believe that there is a heaven. Uh, interestingly, 76% of those said that they had an excellent chance of getting there. And out of that 76%, they asked them, how do you know? And they, they kind of had a wide variety of responses, but a lot of them kind of funneled into this, this theme. And here were some of the answers. The way you get to heaven is to do your best, to be good. Another person, the way you get to heaven is to work really hard at being a moral person. Kind of changed the vocabulary there a little bit. Uh, another person said this, and, and you'll know what, what they mean. You, you got to do more good things than you do bad, Right? Was when God looks at me, if, if the balance is kind of like this, and there's a little more good than bad, or maybe a lot more good than there is bad, then somehow God will, will let me in to heaven. And that, that might sound good to some of us, because that's doable. We can make a list, and we can check it off. But the fact is, is the Bible says absolutely nothing about that. In fact, it says the complete opposite. It says that it's a free gift from God, and you can't earn it. You can't work for it. There's nothing you do to deserve it. God simply gives it. Somebody paid for it. It wasn't you. It wasn't me. It was beyond our reach. All religions in the world have tried to come up with ideas to try to fix this, to try to figure this out. And, and there's all kinds of thoughts and ideas about it, but it really kind of boils down to, to two main thoughts uh, when, when it comes to God and mankind in the world. And it's religion and all its different facets in the world. There's so many. And Christianity, which, by the way, by definition, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ because he died for us, he rose again, and we get that for free because of his grace, right? Um, but it's interesting, both recognize that there is this gap between God, who's holy and lofty and righteous and perfect, and mankind. And there's this gap, and somehow that gap has to be closed. We've got to find some way to be able to get to God. Both, uh, both religion and Christianity recognize that gap. Now, religion says this, if I work hard enough, uh, I can earn the right for God to somehow extend his grace to me. 
if I do enough good things, and, and every system is different, different religions. I'm not going to talk about all of them. Uh, some say you got to keep rules. you got to kind of live by this certain code of rules. Other people, they're, they're, there's uh, the rituals that you have to do and get through, sometimes in order, sometimes it spans over your life. Uh, some religions actually say that you get a few different lives to figure it out. Isn't that interesting? But all summarized into one word, all the religions of the world, one word is works. I have to do something in order to earn God's grace. Christianity is the only one different. Christianity says that I recognize the gap. I know that there's God who's perfect in everything he does and holy, and he's got this standard of perfection. And I know that I'm down here, and I know that there's this gap, but I also recognize that I can do absolutely nothing to earn God's grace and close that gap. Nothing. I understand that God sends his grace to me freely. He does it without me having to earn it. He gives it to me. And so therefore, everything that I do for God because of that is done out of gratitude. It's done completely out of gratitude. I can't do enough to earn God's grace. The works that I do in my life from here until eternity comes is simply because I'm grateful that God gave his grace to me freely. You tracking with me? Religion says if I do enough, then I might be able to make it to heaven. Christianity says you can't. It says you can do nothing, but it's okay because you don't get to heaven based on what you do. You get to heaven based on what God did, and he gives it to us as a gift, and it's free. So the first thing you need to know, the first truth about grace is that it's God's gift to us. And the question then becomes, how do I get it? How do I get grace? You ever ask that question? And that leads us to truth number two. Grace, here's the R in our acrostic, grace is received by faith. You actually have to believe that God gives it to you. And, and that's true, really, of any gift that you get, isn't it? You actually have to believe that the person that's giving you a gift is actually giving it to you before you can uh, receive it. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, book in the Bible, this is what the verse says. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works, not by anything you do, so that nobody can boast, so that nobody can brag about it. Faith is the key uh, to receiving grace. You actually have to believe that God has given you grace. And the writer of this verse gives us a reason that God set it up that way. He said so that nobody can boast about it. Nobody can brag about it. Can you imagine if we had to earn our way to heaven and we all get there, you know, and, and we're sitting around and so how'd you get to heaven, you know? <laughs> well, I paid my tithes, buddy. That's why I'm here. Well, you know, I had perfect attendance in church. My butt warmed the seat, I mean, every single week. And then you got somebody else over there going, I served in kids' ministry, man. I changed diapers of somebody else's kids. And we got some bridge kids people down here in the front. They're clapping right now. They know. Well, I had to put up with Pastor Ryan's preaching week after week after week. Do not laugh at that joke. It is not funny. Bottom line is salvation. I'm, I love that God set it up this way. It's not based on our performance. It's based on God's promise to us, and that is that grace is given freely. And that's a good thing, too. Again, I'm not perfect, and I, I, if I walked all across this room and held a mic to your face, nobody would say I'm perfect. I deserve it. So God gives it free because he loves us. It's God's gift to you. It's received by faith. Say number three. Here's the A, and it's absolutely essential. It's essential to your life. It's not an option in order to get to God. It's absolutely essential. Romans chapter 6 says it like this. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's heavy. 
I want you to think about the reality of that. The cost of our sin, our sin nature, us, you, me, is death. Not just physical death, eternal death. Eternity separated away from God. Spiritual death. And that sounds harsh, and it might sound harsh to you. And you might be wondering, how can a God who loves so much, who's supposed to be loving and compassionate and gracious, how, and that's the question, how, how could he send anybody to hell because he's so loving? Listen, we all know sin has consequences, don't we? I mean, we know it right here on earth. When we lie, it's because of that sin nature in us. And what it leads to is distrust in our relationships that we have. Sin causes that. Sin is what causes husbands to abuse wives, and what that leads to is marriages that, that rip apart, and sometimes women getting battered uh, and having all kinds of emotional breakdowns. Sin is what causes people to lie and cheat, and you know what that leads to? It leads to distrust, and, 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 and relationships are broken. Uh, sin is what causes parents to neglect kids, and what does that lead to? It, it can very well lead to kids being ripped out of homes, destroying families, ripping them apart. Sin causes that. Sin, it causes people in this life to kill other people. Sin ultimately leads to death. Sin is disgusting. And what we don't think about sometimes is that sin isn't just tied uh, to, the, to the consequence and, and the consequence tied to the sin, but the consequences of our sin are actually tied to the one that we're sinning against. Do you ever think about that? Your sin, the consequence of it, isn't just tied to the sin. It's tied to the person that you're sinning against. And to kind of help me illustrate this, I, I want to say it like this. I want to invite Pastor Gage to come up on the stage. Uh, give him a hand as he comes. He is, he's the man. Now, Pastor Gage is a pretty good guy, plays the guitar pretty good, serves our church well. You, he loves me. Did you hear that? Oh, maybe he doesn't know what I'm getting ready to say right now. <laughs> good man, great family. Uh, all-around good guy, serves the church well, proud of him. What would happen if I just punched him right in the face? <laughs> and you're probably thinking, this is the weirdest Easter service I've ever been to. Somebody in the front just offered me five bucks to do it. I think that was, this is family. <laughs> One of the guys, you know what I mean? But if I just reared back and punched you right in the face right now, uh, do you think our relationship would survive that? Take some time. <laughs> I mean, we're pals. We're, we, we serve together. Um, it'd probably be some trust issues, but I think we could probably get over it. I mean, if I just laid back and bam, I just punched you right in the face, you'd go down, man. You would, like, hit the floor as hard, as hard as you could. If, you landed the punch if I landed it? Okay. So you could dodge it. But if, if I... <laughs> you guys are wondering if I'm really going to do this, right? If I did it and I survived... <laughs> Our relationship would probably go on. I mean, I, if I just reared back and knocked him a good one, I mean, I could probably say I don't know what I was doing. I could apologize, and I know Gage. I know his heart. I, hey, man, I had a bad day. I don't know why I did that. We could probably survive it. We would go on, and we'd probably be friends, right? Yeah. All right? All right. Give Gage a hand. So if I sin against Gage, Gage probably would forgive me and our relationship would survive that. Now, Brian is our resource officer uh, that's serving at Goldsboro today. He's a great guy. He serves with the Goldsboro Police Department. Uh, he's here on our location, uh, serving our location today. Now, if I marched him up here, if I marched Brian and I just punched him, he probably wouldn't go down. <laughs> he, and, and in fact, I, I, he put the handcuffs on me and I would be charged with assault. 
and I wouldn't take your $5. I still probably wouldn't do it. But if I did, it would be a drastically different consequence. Same sin, but now I'm punching a police officer, drastically different consequence. I'm going to jail. Does everybody understand that? Brian is not my friend after that. He's not going to forgive me. He is going to put me in jail. Now, look at your screens for a second. What would happen if I punched one of these guys? I mean, if I just, if I just went to their country and just reared back, busted through security, and as much as I could muster, I just punched one of these guys in the face, I'm going to be killed on the spot. There's going to be no forgiveness. There's not going to be any questioning. It's just going to be you are dead. People have been, have been killed for a lot less when it comes to these guys. Now, isn't that interesting? It's the same sin, but yet the consequences are different depending on who I sin against. Your sin and the consequence of it, it's not just tied to the sin itself, but it's tied to the person that you're sinning against. So what's the consequence of thumbing your nose at the God of the universe who loved you so much that he died for you on a cross, gave himself for you, and loves you more than you love yourself? Romans Chapter 5, book in the Bible says this, as you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's what he did. He said, very rarely, kind of puts it in context, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. You know, though maybe for a good person, somebody might possibly dare to die. Then he just swings the pendulum the other way. He says, but listen, God demonstrates his love for us like this. While we were sinning against him, that's when Christ died for us. I mean, it's, it's like you might die for a good person, maybe, you know, if they're good enough, and you might feel like it's a worthy cause. So, but Christ did this. Why you had your back turned against him? That's, that's the right moment. It said that's the, just the right time that he, he said he came and he died for you. He didn't die for you to get something from you. He died for you because you needed rescuing, and you couldn't rescue yourself. That's what he did. And God's standard is perfection. And so, therefore, our sin had to be addressed. And we ask the question, how could God send somebody to help? Listen, our sin has to be addressed. It can't go undone. God is perfect in all of his ways. His standard is perfection. He is not going to lower his standard to accommodate sin. Here's why. Because if he does, it makes him out, one, to be a liar. He's not who he said he is. And two, it makes him just as imperfect as you or me and not worth worshiping. God didn't lower his standard to accommodate sin. He did something far greater and far more astounding. He lowered himself to become perfection for us because he knew we couldn't do it. Jesus did that. And so there's this grace that God gives because of Jesus. He, he became perfection for us. He died, took our sin penalty on himself, went into this grave, and then three days later came out of it alive by the power of God, demonstrating his power over life and death. And then he just looks at us and says, listen, I was perfect for you, and I'm giving you this as a free gift. So when you come to me, you don't have to come to me by, in and of yourself because you're not, you're not worthy by yourself. I paid a big price so that when you come to me, you could come through Jesus. And I could see you was clean. God's grace is a free gift. God's grace is received by faith. You've got to believe it. God's grace is absolutely essential. Number four, say number four. It's the C in grace. It comes through Jesus. Grace that comes from God. It comes through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. I'm here to tell you just flat-footed and as bold as I know how. It comes through Jesus Christ. You have to choose Jesus. And if any of us get stuck on that, then the only alternative is we're back trying to earn it ourselves. And we've already been down that road. We can't do it. Grace comes through Jesus Christ. God gives us grace. 
and he does it through Jesus. John chapter 1 says this. It says that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It came through him. Romans chapter 5 says many people have received God's gift of life by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. It's only through Jesus. He's the only way. There's a story I heard a while back, and it's actually a pretty interesting story. Have you ever heard of a tightrope walker? I mean, have you ever seen anybody tightrope walk? You're like, whoa, <laughs> how, how do they do that? I can barely, like sometimes I trip coming up the stairs and you don't see me because the lights are off. Um, I'm like wondering how somebody can walk across a rope. This guy somehow pulled a tightrope across Niagara Falls. If you don't know where that is, that's in the, in the northern part of our country, and there's a part of it that actually separates uh, the Canadian side from the American side. And the falls are huge. The falls crash down. I mean, it's like so tall. It disrupts the waters. It's so wide in its expanse. And it's pretty turbulent. And this guy stretched a tightrope from the Canadian side to the American side, and he starts walking across it. And he gets across. And it's fine. Crowds start coming around. They start wanting to see what this guy's doing. And, you know, he does it for a while, and then the crowds start to wane um, because as human beings, we look at something long enough, no matter how great it is, and we get bored with it, right? So he decides to up the ante, and he starts taking animals across, like small animals. So he takes a dog and puts it over his shoulders, and, and he starts walking across uh, that tightrope across Niagara Falls, and people are looking again, and the crowds get bigger, and then the crowds kind of start to wane again. So he ups the ante again. He says, I'm going to take a bigger animal across. So this time, he gets a wheelbarrow and puts it on the tightrope and puts the animal in the wheelbarrow, and he pushes a wheelbarrow across this tightrope across Niagara Falls, and people are going nuts, and they're looking at it, and they're like, what? Nobody can do this. Look at this guy. He must be the only person that can do this. It's crazy. And the crowds are going nuts, and he's going nuts, and he's looking at him, and he says, who thinks I can take a human being across? And everybody's like, yeah, he's going to take a human being across. And he's like, who's first? the excitement just kind of wanes down, you know? And he's like, look, I've never dropped anything. I've always made it across. I'm, like, my track record's perfect so far. Like, literally, you can trust me. I, I can do it. Literally, nobody's wanting to do it. And you probably understand. You're probably thinking the same thing I'm thinking and that I'm not letting you take me in a wheelbarrow across the parking lot, much less <laughs> Niagara Falls. Finally, after a few minutes, this little boy raises his hand and says, I'll do it. And I don't know where this kid's parents were, but he's like, okay, let's go. And he takes the kid, and he puts him in the wheelbarrow, and everybody is on pins and needles watching this. And he puts him in, on, on the tightrope, and he's walking him across, and people are literally staring. They're kind of like waiting to see what's going to happen. Now the little boy's life's at stake, and he gets about halfway, and everyone's on the edge of their seats, and, and he makes it all the way across to the other side. And the little boy gets out, and he's standing on the other side, and he's, he's screaming at the top of his lungs. And you probably couldn't hear him because the falls are so big and loud, and the people so far away. He's going, I made it. He did it. I'm not dead, you know. <laughs> you can trust him. Crazy story. Can I change the story a little bit? Can I keep the same scene? I want you to picture for me, if you will, there's humanity that needs rescuing in its sin and nature on one side of the falls, and on the other side is God the Father. And God the Father's looking across this great expanse, and he's calling out and he's saying, I want you over here with me. I love you so very much. I, I, I desire for you to be over here with me. And so this is what I'm going to do. I know you can't make it, so I'm going to send my son to cross and get you and to bring you back. 
And you're on a timeline, but I, I, I want you to know, I, I want you to come back with me. So I'm going to send him. He's perfect. He's never dropped anybody. He, he's, he's perfect. He's the one that's earned the right to, to bring you back. But you have to choose him. And Jesus is standing there, and he's looking at the crowd. He's looking at, at humanity, and he's saying, well, you, you know me. You know what I've done. You, you, you know all about me. He's saying, but it's not enough just to know about me. You actually have to come to me. You have to trust me. You have to believe in me. You have to trust my ability. And then, you know, everybody there starts thinking, just like we all would. And you have different groups of people that think different ways. And, and we can all probably kind of put ourselves in some type of category. But you have the academics, and they start intellectualizing. Well, is there really a God? <laughs> I mean, do I, is this really a choice that I have to make? Like, seriously. Is there really this gap between God and man? Is that, is that really what it is? Do I have to? Is there really this? Is there really that? Like, seriously. Then you have the activist. Maybe some of you can identify. They just like rip their clothes off. They're ready to jump in to Niagara Falls and swim across. And they're testing the water. They're trying to figure out, you know, exactly at what angle I'd have to swim and how long and how much energy I have to put out to actually make it to the other side. And they're working their little calculations, but it never works. Nobody ever makes it across. Then you got the good old boys. Anybody know any good old boys in here? We're in the South. You'll get it. Just be honest with you. Good old boy. Lights up a cigarette, pops open a beer, cusses. <laughs> I think I got more time than God's letting on, Bo. <laughs> yeah, now you get it. <laughs> I had to do the voice. God doesn't scare me. I got all the time in the world, but he smokes a lot, right? Then you got wheelers and dealers, and they're on their cell phones, and they're just they're trying to figure out another way, maybe charter a helicopter to fly them over. And then you got, you know, engineers. They're trying to plan to build a bridge over it. They're just trying to find some way to close this gap, all different kinds of ways, but at the end of the day, none of them work. And then you got people like this, and maybe you've, you can identify with this. They just want to block it out. I, you know, I don't want to have to think about that, and so I'm just going to go get high. <laughs> I'm going to maybe smoke a joint, or I'm going to just drink myself into an oblivion, whatever I got to do on the weekend so I don't have to sit still enough, long enough, to face the reality that there is an eternity coming. And if I just block it out, maybe it's not drugs and alcohol. Maybe it's just things in life. You just got a hobby that you have just poured yourself into, and it's kind of, it's kind of become your God because you put it on the throne of your heart, and it's just, it helps you basically just not think about God. It helps you not think about eternity. It helps you not think about it. You know somewhere in the back of your head it's coming, but you know what? For now, I'd rather just block it out. There's people like that in, in, in this crowd that, that Jesus is standing in front of, and, and meanwhile, he's just standing there, and Jesus is patient. Arms open wide, saying, come to me, trust me. And then finally, one guy in the crowd says, I'll do it. I'll go. And he looks at Jesus and he says, listen, I'm, I'm so sorry that you had to pay for my sins, but I'm so glad you did. I trust you. I'm, I'm ready to walk with you. I'm ready to put my life on the line and, and walk with you across this expanse. And so, and so he gets in you know, the wheelbarrow and Jesus puts him on the tightrope and, and everyone's watching. And you know how that ends. Jesus is perfect. He's never failed, and he gets him to the other side, and he gets out, and Jesus presents him before God the Father, except he doesn't present him before God the Father in his sinfulness. Now he says, you're forgiven. He presents him clean, and he stands before the Father worthy, and he shouts back to the other side, I'm here. I made it. You can trust him. You can trust Jesus too. And what I'm here today to tell you is I'm that guy. <laughs> 
I'm the guy that got in that wheelbarrow a long time ago, years ago, and I, I trusted Jesus with my sin. The list was long, and I'd be so embarrassed to even tell you the first one. But I said, I, can't, I know I can't do it myself. And I stood before God, and before it was over, I found myself on my face saying, not me, God. I know there's no way I can, I can make it to heaven. I probably am not even going to be able to make it through this planet, this earth, through my life if I don't have you. The Bible says you gave your grace, and it was free. And so if that's true, I believe in faith that you're giving it to me now, and I receive that. I do. And maybe today you've heard that story before. Maybe today you've heard it, you know, a different way. I don't know. Maybe it's not your first time hearing it. But the truth still remains that God is waiting for you to accept his grace. The truth still remains that Jesus really did die for your sin. He really did raise to life. And he extends his grace to you today and says, you don't have to do a thing to earn it. I just want you to come to me. I just want you to receive it. I just want you to believe that I did that for you. And watch what I do in your life. Now, I'm not going to tell you that your life, if you decide to receive that grace, is, is going to drastically change and all your wildest dreams are going to come true and you're never going to have a problem again. In fact, it's, you probably have some trouble. But if you choose Jesus, your eternity in heaven is what's the difference. You, you have a new home in heaven one day. And for the rest of the time that you're here on this planet, God walks with you. And you're going to face trouble. But Jesus said in the Bible, he said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. He said, but you can take heart when you choose me, when you, when you receive my grace. You can know that I've overcome this world. And all of a sudden, it makes the troubles you go through seem a little bit lighter. Not because it doesn't hurt. Not because the, the trouble's not real. But because you have your eyes on something so much greater than your trouble. And that's the power of Jesus Christ. And you know you're, you're going to get through it because he's with you. You know you're going to be stronger when you get on the other side of it. You know that... God takes the things in our lives, if we give them to him, if we receive that grace and walk with him, he takes the things that Satan means for evil in our lives. And God, somehow, I can't tell you how he does it. I wish I could make a great sermon. He turns it for our good. Only God can do that. And it starts when you say yes to Jesus. And you say, I want to receive your grace. I'm, I'm going to say a prayer right now. And it's my prayer. It's Pastor Ryan's. But guess what? You can join in and you can pray too. And I want to ask you today, do you want to receive God's grace? That's God's question to you today. And as I say this prayer, I wonder if you would just say yes to him. And the cool thing about God is he hears your heart. He made you. He knows all about you. He knows all about what's going on in your mind. He's a gentleman. He treats what you tell him with respect. And he holds the information you say to him precious. I wonder if you'd say yes to him today. Can we pray together? God, I'd... I'm humbled to be standing here telling this group of people today that it's an overflow that's in this auditorium and that's maybe listening to my voice on our app or internet or somewhere else. I don't know, but I'm humbled to be able to say and speak to them that you have grace that you give to us. Lord, it's not mine, it's yours. You give it to us for free. And Lord, we all come from different walks of life. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different family backgrounds, all kind of different sin backgrounds even, God. But the one thing we all have in common is that you died for each and every one of us the same. And you love us so much. And so, God, I just say yes to you today. I know I can't make it by myself. I need you. And you said your, your grace, you give it for free. <laughs> 
I can't imagine that because I spend most of my life trying to earn stuff, different things. Lord, so sometimes I, I put you in that same basket, but today I, I know that your grace is free. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to do anything. So I just come to you today and I say, yes, take me across that divide. I can't do it myself. I trust Jesus to do it. I really believe that he came to this earth and lived a human life and he died sinless and he took on my penalty. He became perfection for me. And so when I come to you today, God, and I say yes to your grace, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I understand that it's your free gift to me. I understand that I receive it in faith. I have to believe that, and I do. I understand that it's absolutely essential to me, to my life, to get to heaven, to be with you. I understand that it comes through Jesus. I say yes to you, and I trust you with the rest, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I just want to be the first one to say congratulations. That's the best decision you'll ever make in your life for this one and the one after. <laughs> congratulations. The Bible says this. The Bible says confess uh, with your mouth. It says believe in your heart what you just did, but it says confess with your mouth. So I, I just want to challenge you. Tell somebody what you did today. Don't keep that to yourself. And just quickly, you, you may not have anybody to tell. Two ways uh, that you can tell us right here at the bridge. You can tell me. Tell our church. We want to know about it. You have a connect card that I talked about in the beginning. Uh, maybe you filled that out. There's a little box right beside your name. It says, I prayed to receive Christ. Please check that and tell us what you did. Maybe you, you didn't fill one out because you're a little bit weirded out. Like, what are they going to do with this little connect card, my information? Uh, it's not about getting your information. It is about simply coming alongside of you and doing what the church was supposed to do, and that's hold each other up. We have another way that you can do it. This is just a method we use. It's not anything in the Bible, but it's one way that you can tell us what you did. You can, you can actually send a text message real fast right now and say, new life to 55498. It's on your screen. You can check it out. Just send a quick text message. Whatever you decide to do, tell somebody today. The band's going to come back up. We're actually going to worship uh, with one more song before we go. Um, but as they're coming up, I want to say one final thing, one final truth um, that I didn't say before. And this is truth number five. Say number five. Number five is this, the grace of God enhances your life forever. It enhances your life forever. Accepting God's grace, it not only makes things better in your life right now, it, it means for eternity your life is going to be better. For eternity. I want you to know something. There is an eternal reality in one of two places. And God came to this earth, died, and he rose again so that your reality could be heaven in fact, John chapter 10 says this, says there's this thief, his name is Satan, and his whole job, he only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says, but I've come so that they may have life. He says, more and better, more better than they'd ever dreamed of, eternal life, real and eternal life. Receiving God's grace means that your, that your, your life is enhanced forever, for eternity. He's not mad at you for messing up. In fact, he's, he's broken over, over the decisions that you've made and the consequences that we'd have to live through in sin. In fact, Isaiah chapter 30 says this. I want us to leave with this in our heads. He longs to be gracious to you. The Lord God Almighty longs to be gracious to you. He wants to give you a fresh start. Our ushers are going to come now. We're going to take up tithes and offering. We did it at the end. Remember, if it's your first time here today, please don't feel like you have to put anything in the basket. It's kind of laid back. We want you to be our guest today. Amen. We serve a risen God. He's the only one that's worthy to accept that praise that we just sang of. He's the only one that can do it. 
And I'm grateful for a God like that. I'm grateful that we don't serve a God that's imperfect or somehow just a little bit less than perfect, but we serve a God that did it. He is perfect in all he does. He's even perfect over death. And that's what we celebrate today. I'm so glad you were here today. Uh, if it's your first time here, I want to be the first one to invite you back next week. Uh, we're in this series called Amazing Grace, and we're going to be talking about what God's grace is and how we can have it in our lives. And my prayer is that every single one of us, as we walk out this door, we walk this entire week uh, knowing that God longs to be gracious to us, that we don't have to earn it. He longs to be gracious to us, and he accomplished that in a risen Savior named Jesus Christ. I love every one of you. I'm so grateful that you were here. I want you to have a great, great Sunday. Happy Easter to you.